Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 421 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, just over 10 years since it all began, uh, we'll be hearing from Scott Bird about the latest shows at the Grand Theatre. They've got a brand new season ahead of them, and it all includes their 125th anniversary. So that's on the way. We'll have music from Erika Papillon-Posey. Some great stuff from her. We'll be featuring her album and having a chat with her about how her music comes together. We'll find out about Old Herbaceous, which is on the way to the Stafford Gatehouse this coming Friday. And we'll have a natter with Toby Osmond. He is in Game of Thrones in the final season, as well as much more besides. We'll be finding out about his work to date and what's coming up in the future. But first of all, over the weekend, the Royal Three Counties show took place in Malvern. I had a chat with various people down there, including the man behind the biodegradable crisp packet. Also, we'll be finding out about an award for the Hapney Green Cider Company. As well as that, I found out about some rare breeds at the show and caught up with the show ambassador too. So we're down here with the show ambassador for the Royal Three County Show. We have Henson with us. Hello, sir. Hello. Good now, afternoon. You, now, you're actually pretty much royalty as far as the woman farming goes as well, so that's where the title comes from, I'm sure of it. But uh, having a great time down here and an amazing show as ever this year. It really is. I mean, the Royal Three Counties is a show I've grown up with. Used to come here as a little boy with my three older sisters and my dad showing animals. He then became president of the show, which was a great accolade and something he was very proud of. He then introduced Rare Breeds Day on the Sunday, which is why we have all the rare breeds being shown today. Mm -hmm. And so for me to be able to sort of follow in his footsteps in a way and take on the ambassador Mm -hmm. role that I've been doing for the last four years is is a great honour. And it's my favourite show in the country. It sits in this beautiful bowl of the Malvern Hills, and I love it. It is a fantastic showground, and even with the weather we've had today, there's been so much for people to do indoors and outdoors. And here we are in one of the tents, as I say. And you've bought, are these your animals we have behind us? These are, yes. We've got a Gloucester cow here with twins. We've got a whole selection of sheep we've got some Berkshire pigs and, and uh, large black pigs and these are all from the Cotswold Farm Park so my dad opened the Cotswold Farm Park in 1971 to showcase rare breeds conservation mm-hmm. and to tell everybody about food and farming and how prevalent that is today as we're all thinking about where our food's coming from everybody thinking about a story behind the breeds and we're sharing it with the Rare Breed Survival Trust and my dad was founder chairman of that trust in 1973 when it was formed and um, they do amazing work preserving and conserving and looking after our British rare and native breeds. And what makes a breed rare then? So it has various different categories, so either numerically, genetically or geographically. And there's a whole category of a critically rare through to endangered. And the Rare Breed Survival Trust will be looking at the breed, with the breed societies, looking at the numbers of animals there are and deciding whether they need help or not. So when it comes down to it, obviously the, uh, the, the Rare Breed Survival Trust is doing great work as a charity and uh, encouraging people to go out there and try these things. Is that something you do through Cotswold as well, isn't it? It is, yeah. So at the farm park, um, the visitors can come and meet our amazing staff. They can hold a chicken, a baby rabbit. They can watch our ewes giving birth, a cow being milked. And so they're learning about food and farming, but they're also learning about all the rare breeds that we have. And what I always say to people, if you want to start a small holding or a little farm or even a, have him on your bigger farm, why not? think about keeping a rare breed and you can have anything from a few chickens and there are plenty of rare breeds of chickens and then of course you've got your goats the pigs the sheep the cattle the horses you name it but if you're going to keep an animal why not keep a rare British breed that is steeped in history and heritage Mm -hmm. and then you'll be doing some good work. 
And when it comes down to, to buying these things as food, I mean, is that again something that you would have pointers for where you can go and find out where you can get this sort of thing from? Indeed, of course. So we sell it in our farm shop at the Cotswold Farm Park in the local butcher at, um, in Star on the World. We sell it up there. But there are rare breeds affiliated butchers around the country that you can seek out and go and find rare breed meat. And ironic as it may sound, if you eat them, you're helping to preserve them and save them because it gives them an outlet, it gives the farmer an income, a business, and therefore the more likely they are to keep more and the less rare that animal becomes. And you've also documented some of this in your latest book as well, haven't you? I have, thank you very much for the plug. Yeah, so this is a breed apart, it's called. It follows the story of rare and native breeds across the British Isles. And of course, there's animals to fit every area, every district, every corner of the UK has an animal that has named the area or is named after the area. Incredible characters that have looked after those animals and how they've shaped our history over time. And so it's called a breed apart. It's available now. My sister Libby and Verdon Harwood, who used to present for Radio Gloucester, helped me create the book and do the research and put it together. And I think it's a lovely read. Full details of that one on your website and that for the farm too? There are. So if you go to the Cotswold Farm Park website and we're selling it online there or come to our shop or it's in all um, all good bookshops. And, and uh, where exactly are your place? Obviously in the Cotswolds? Yeah, so we're near um, Stow on the Wold or Borton on the Water. We're about six miles from either of those places. And you can go onto the Cotswold Farm Park website and look on the map on there and find out directions how to find us. Well, we're having an absolutely fantastic time down here at the Three Counties Show. And uh, it is absolutely brilliant as ever this year. Will we see you back next year? I take it we will? Oh, well, I hope so. If I get invited back as ambassador, I'd love to do that. Otherwise, I'll just come along and along with everyone else and visit as a, as a guest. Well, Adam Hanson, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for the, the great time we've had down here seeing some of the animals you brought with you. Thank you very much. Well, welcome along. We're down here at the Royal Three Counties Show. I'm at the moment with the president of the Rare Breed Survival Trust. He's just trying to get it right. The easy bit is Jimmy Duckley. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Very good. You? I'm very well. And some amazing sights to see down here at the Morvan Three Counties Showground this weekend. And uh, you must be having a great time uh, as we are here in the ring at the uh, RBST uh, part of the event. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic show. It's a real family event. Uh, with the animal lines, there's some fantastic examples of some of our breeds, mm -hmm. our wonderful traditional breeds. Uh, great example behind here. Mm -hmm. Look at this Suffolk Punch horse. Isn't it glorious? It's an absolutely amazing animal, and it's, it's rather tall. Is it 17 hands, something yeah. like that? It's, 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 it's huge, but look at it. Absolutely wonderful. And, and it's animals like this that was the backbone of agriculture in the UK and before tractors and mechanisation. But all the animals here represent a unique story. You know, they're part of our living heritage, part of our, our, our food culture, and we must preserve it not just for the sake of preserving it because they look amazing, mm -hmm. but because they are part of farming, they're part of the future as well, because their genetic bank that they hold could solve problems in the future. Yeah, because we never know what we're going to need next. Absolutely. And if, if it dies out, that's it, done for. You can keep DNA samples, maybe in time to come we'll be able to resurrect things like the dodo and work out what they were for. Yeah. But in, in this case, the, we've got living animals and how many of these are actually left now? Well, it's, it's hard to say because it, 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 in actually what the Trust has done is reverse so many of these dying out breeds that some of them come off the list. Mm -hmm. So when we walk up and down the lines, we're actually looking at success stories. Mm -hmm. And the important thing about this is that when you're looking at sheep, uh, looking at cattle or pigs, they are part of a farming system. They are going to produce fantastic produce. And if we don't eat it, we will lose them. Mm -hmm. And a chef walking up and down here at the moment, this is a chef's dream. If you go to Italy, Spain, they have breeds, they have varieties of vegetables, and they sing and dance about them, mm -hmm. celebrate them. There's a pig in Italy called the Cinto Senesi, and it's on the cathedral, okay? It's that important. 
we have got more breeds. We have got more diversity. Do we sing enough about them? No, we don't. We need to celebrate them more. And if you want to get involved, please come and join the trust. You can mm -hmm. be a member. Okay. If not, if you if, if not become a member, go to your local butchers. Yep. Go and ask them for a, a piece of lovely pork, like large black or Berkshire, or some lovely lamb. Support your local breeds by mm -hmm. having the most wonderful Sunday roast. Yeah, and, and when you go into the restaurant as well, it, it's interesting if you can then get some of the history of the animal that you're eating. We all need to know where our food has come from. We want shorter food miles. We want food from within the UK. Mm. wherever we possibly can and it's when you see the names on there Angus is one that we know the, uh, that's obviously a, a big brand there are national burger chains who sell the fact they actually have Angus meat yeah. and the quality that's involved with Angus that name is, Angus is great it's just the tip of the iceberg yeah exactly good things like Shorthorn the wonderful Galloways Dexters all these beautiful breeds Red Poles breed indigenous to me I have British Whites Highlands there's, there's endless, endless variety, and that's the beauty of it. When you go out to your high street butcher, one week he'll have shorthorn, next week he'll have longhorn, mm. then have a bit of Dexter. And once you taste the variety, you'll be like, when's that Dexter coming back? <laughs> have you got any more Gloucester Old Spot, Spot, yeah, pork? It's that exciting. Mm -hmm. Let's celebrate the diversity, get involved, start eating this wonderful produce, support the local farmers, support the regionality, diversity, and support the work of this amazing charity, yeah. Rare Breed Survival Trust. And that's the important thing. It is making sure that uh, these breeds do continue. And uh, so where can we find out more? There's got to be a website. Go on the website. Go on the Rare Breed Survival uh, Trust website. Get on the Three Counties uh, website. But get involved. This, what sort of thing can we expect to see as we go forward? So are you looking out for new breeds where you're finding there's only a handful of examples left? Well, I think that the, all the breeds out there that are registered, numbers are, uh, are gathered in uh, every year, so we know how many breeding females there are, certain breeds. Um, it's about support, it's about putting networks together, and where there is danger of a, of a breed becoming extinct, it's getting behind that, getting new breeders, getting new keepers, get the numbers up. But also there's a lot of science behind uh, you know, these farms as well. It's mm -hmm. about creating banks, banks of embryos, collecting semen, all those kinds of things for the future. Make sure we do that. There's someone come to say hello just at that point, which is a little smile. I've been talking too much. Yeah, he's listening in. But uh, I mean, great to see animals like this. And say, this really is an absolutely massive beast. And, and this has got to be at least two or three horsepower compared to the, what we'd expect these oh, days. Absolutely, it's not a family car. <laughs> you, can, you can take it home if you like. Absolutely, straight up the M5 will be absolutely sorted. Absolutely fantastic. Jimmy Doherty, thanks for having a chat with us. Don't forget the Rare Breeds Survival Trust and check out all the details and find out about the great work that's been done to preserve these breeds. I'm with Mark Green now of Two Farmers who have the most amazing crisps, I know I've tried some earlier on, and an interesting story behind the bags that are in there too. How are you doing sir? I'm very well thank you. So we're Two Farmers Crisps, myself and co-founder of Two Farmers Crisps with Sean Mason, good friend of mine. Uh, many years ago we decided that we wanted to make our own potatoes into our own crisps, so we set a factory up and we started to look at uh, how we could do this. So we found flavours from Herefordshire, so we got four flavours, we got a lightly salted using a droit with salt, We've got a cider vinegar flavour that is uh, from apples from Woolhope mm -hmm. and then we've got cheese and onion which is a local cheese from Charles Martel and then we've got Hereford beef which is beef and chilli. And so these, these flavours are great but it is not only that, it's a story of, of using something that's all local, the local flavours and the fact that I think for the first time anywhere you've got crisp bags that will actually break down into nothingness in the soil. Yep, these are the first world first compostable bag of crisps. So in 26 weeks after you've eaten these lovely crisps, if you put these, this bag into your home composting, in 26 weeks it will totally disappear. If you put it into industrial composting, in 12 weeks it will totally disappear. But if you wanted to just take the bag home and put it in the garden, 
garden and plant it with your plants, over a course of 20 to 30 weeks, it will totally disappear. So it's, it's breaking down into natural products that aren't going to harm the environment, but actually keep the crisps really fresh as well. They keep the crisps very fresh. We have a three and a half uh, month shelf life on the crisps. The bag is actually made of wood fibre, mm -hmm. so it's just a natural product and it'll totally break down in 26 weeks. And even if you put it into seawater in 26 weeks, it will break down. Even if it ends up in landfill, the same as many packets do, it, it's still going to break down and it'll just disappear and it won't be one of the nasties which are left around for 300 years. No, if it goes to landfill, it'll still break down. It just takes a little bit longer, so it'll probably take up to six to nine months in landfill to break down. And when it comes to the, this whole concept and the whole idea, do you think this is going to be something people are jumping on the bandwagon with and trying to uh, run off with wood fibre ideas? But I mean, you are there first. Yeah, we are there first. We're the first crisp packet in the world to be made out of this product. We're all looking. We want to get away from single-use plastics. Plastics are a very important part of our life. But single-use plastics with our food is something we need to move away from. And this is the first step to try to do that. And, and where are you selling at the moment? Because you're down here at the Three Counties Showground with a, with a show, but that's a, a bit different to, to mass production. Yeah, we're in farm shops, delis, uh, pubs, restaurants, we're also into cafes, anywhere really that is interested in giving their customers a little bit of choice and a little bit of buying into compostable packaging. So a sustainable, higher end product, uh, but still reasonably priced. Yes, so we're, we're, we try to make it as affordable as possible. We're probably a little bit more expensive than your average bag, but if you, if you want to buy into a compostable bag and do your little bit to help global warming in the planet, you've got to buy our crisps. So crisps for the conscience. Very much so. Very. <laughs> Where can we find out more online? If you go online, you can go to www.twofarmers.co.uk and you can then put your postcode in there. It'll tell you wherever we're selling them in your area. So pop along, check it all out. But most importantly, leave the story behind it all and uh, make sure that you're doing your bit for the environment while still eating potato snacks. Exactly. Thank you very <laughs> Great, much. Thanks. Green Cider Company have been successful with the awards down here at the Malvern Three Counties Show. I have Tony Lovering with me, who is the proprietor of said place and based in Bobbington, having a great time making cider by the looks of things yeah so yeah we've um, I've been there a couple of years I just enjoy making cider well you've been winning awards for it uh, throughout the last uh, two years at least so uh, tell us a bit about what you put into this year's competition this year at the three counties we had um, a champagne style cider the um, gold guinea that won the bottle fermented class and uh, also had my French style cider which is the Florin, and that won the oh, was third prize for the bottled condition. So how do these ciders come to be then? Because where do the apples come from to start off with? Uh, the, well, we haven't got enough apples around our way to uh, make the cider, so we, we buy our apples from um, Hereford, Hereford and Worcestershire, um, because they've uh, got a history of growing uh, cider apples, so um, we just buy them from the people who know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, and from there, what makes your cider stand out? Uh, I've concentrated on actually making sparkling cider, in, uh, naturally sparkling cider in, um, in champagne bottles. And uh, it's not something that uh, a lot of the producers do. So it's, it's a bit different. Is this a difference in the, the process of manufacturing? Obviously there's no carbonating at the end, I think, it's from that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's all naturally carbonated. I've got four different ciders which are made in four different ways. Each one is uh, distinctly different from the next. And does the, the flavour vary uh, based on the, on the production process or is it down to the different apples that you choose to, to put into them? Well, it's both actually. It's, um, the process to make the cider changes the taste and then the apples you used is a variation on that process. What sort of size batches are you running here? Because you're selling this far and wide, I take it. No, it's not actually. I'm only um, uh, selling locally and I only make up to 7,000 litres. I'm a very small producer. 
I have to try to sell direct to the public. And so you're selling from your site uh, in Bombay, so tell us a bit about how people can find you. We're just opposite the entrance to the Haveny Green Airport, uh, just uh, by the uh, Farthingdale's house there. And again, you've got uh, opening times so where people can maybe come and see part of the process taking place? Uh, there's um, my phone number's on, on the gate, so if I'm not around, just give me a call and uh, I'm not too far away. So you'll come along and, uh, and sort it out and show them the, the magic behind these ciders. Have you got a website as well? Yeah, hapmegreensider.co.uk. Tony Lovering from Hapmegreen Cider, thanks for having a chat with us. Thank you. In a moment it's time, Erica Papillon Posey, but first of all, let's take a listen to some of her music. <laughs> Been pro- 
That's My Heart, My Ache by Erica Papillion-Posey. Erica is on the line now to tell us more about her current album and the singles coming from it. Hello to you. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Now, good to talk to you and so pleased to know that your third studio album is doing fantastic things. I'm loving the songs on there and you must be loving sharing them. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't be more ecstatic and super excited about these original tunes on this this current record. Like you said, the third one. Yay. (laughs) Now, the title of the album is Better Angels, and this forms a three-part title track. So tell me about how that one came together. Well, as you said, the opening track to the record is the prelude, Better Angels. And then, of course, we have the main theme, which immediately follows... And then we have the postlude that bookends the entire album uh, of the entire 11-track work. Um, And Better Angels is a term that was coined by a president in the United States, Abraham Lincoln, from his 1864 inaugural address where he calls on each of us to defer to our better selves, our higher selves, our better angels in decision-making, judgment-making. A lot of it had to do with he was speaking directly to the war that was going on at the time, the Civil War, which largely was to do away with slavery, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, the overarching theme has to do with just deferring to your best selves, not just for yourself, but for others as well when judging others and making decisions that affect others' lives directly. And you actually had some inspiration in this track, as uh, Ravel's Bolero, uh, something which celebrated its 90th year since premiere back in 2018. And this has sort of come together to to give you a flavour of this tune. Yes, um, a lot of people are not aware, music aficionados maybe, but mainstream, are not aware how much Ravel loved, loved, loved jazz and Mm -hmm. incorporated jazz, specifically jazz elements, into the Bolero. It has been my all-time favorite orchestral work and I always wanted to reimagine it or have it you know the inspiration of it move me um, in in some part of some work that I was going to to work on it just so happens as you said the anniversary was upon us um, and felt like this was the divine time to to actually do it also I'm classically trained a former opera singer Mm -hmm. um, from Louisiana originally started in vocal jazz switched over to class the classical voice genre and it was the very first orchestral work that was playing at my very first opera festival that i was premiering in so what better track to use exactly it was the moment i knew i was walking in my divine path and it made me feel my best self and like okay i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing from a spiritual place and it was the piece that moved me always has and where else are you going with the album? What else can we expect to hear you singing about? Oh, gosh. My very second favorite, besides the Better Angels trilogy, is Pour Mon Am, uh, which, of course, in French means for my soul. Mm-hmm. My last name, Papillon, is French. Again, I'm from Louisiana originally, and the gentleman who is premiering, featuring on this record is none other than the Ron Miles, who's one of the premier cornetist trumpeters in the world today, who happens to be my incredible mentor. He also taught me in university, jazz, of course, jazz studies, jazz theory, pedagogy. And I looked up to him and take his advice and direction on anything of or having to do with my career and, you know, what I need to be doing next. And I was just so honored that he said yes 
mm-hmm. which he doesn't often do for his former students, but he said yes to me, and I couldn't be more gratified and elated to, to have had him on this work. So Purmonam listened for that one. Well, it's uh, an amazing album. I've been uh, listening through the tracks. I am loving listening to it. Thank you. Obviously, your audience are too, and you must be getting some great feedback. Oh, absolutely wonderful. I'm actually just leaving New York. I'm actually currently in Spain doing some more promo work for the record. Um, headed back to New York um, from the middle of June to the end of June. I'll be in Harlem playing a lot of music from the record and, mm-hmm. you know, getting my feet wet over there. Things are really looking up. I have tons more promo to do that I'm super excited about. And this album really is showcasing my uh, songwriting uh, and compositional skills, along with my co-writer, Mr. Solomon Chapman, who's an incredible pianist, again, and composer, arranger in his own right. And I couldn't have seen this to fruition without his help, but I'm super excited and proud of what I've been able to do with this record, just, you know, from the songwriting and composition. You absolutely should be. Absolutely beautiful music on here. Where can people buy this? Oh, God, you can go to a number of places, epapillonposy.com, E, my initial, papillonposy.com, to get uh, physical um, uh, CDs, or everywhere that music is sold and or streamed uh, online, Amazon, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora, you name it, it's available everywhere. Well, it is absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to, I think I am guess which song you're going to ask me to play now, what will it be? <laughs> Absolutely has to be. Uh, Erica Papillon Posey, thank you so much for joining us. Keep up the good work and we look forward to album number four, but not until after we've enjoyed wearing our album number three. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you so much for the opportunity and I hope to speak to you again in the near future. Thank you and we'll look forward to speaking soon.
on flesh that sings like Papillon Posey with Paul Montamin. Old Herbaceous is in the Met Theatre at the Stafford Gatehouse on the 21st of June. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Giles Shenton. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, and uh, I trust we find you well ahead of your visit to Stafford? Yes, indeed. So what's yes. going on? Tell Because kicking the head of the production company bringing this to the stage, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on with kicking the head? Well, with all of it. Um... With all of it, so, yeah, we're very busy actually. I'm I'm one third of Kicking the Head Production Company, mm-hmm. uh, as well as being in a few of the productions. And yeah, we only started the production company a couple of years ago, but we're already knocking out about 140 performances a year. Wow, that's um, not bad going up and down the country as well. Yes, right the way across, north, south, east, west. In fact, before I come up to Stafford, I'm down in Devon. I'm then somewhere else in the Midlands. I'm then also in Lincolnshire somewhere. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, all over the place. But Stafford Gatehouse, we're coming up to do Old Herbaceous. So, so what is Old Herbaceous then? Because this is a Friday night treat, 21st of June, as we say, 7.30 in their Met studio. Yeah, Old Herbaceous, it's a full-length one-man play. It's set in about 1970, and it's the story of a chap called Herbert Pinniger who is otherwise known as Old Herbaceous, Mm -hmm. uh, and he's the retired head gardener of a manor house in Fairfield in Gloucestershire. Um, (laughs) It was was originally written as a book by Reginald Darkle in 1950, I think it was, Uh Uh, and then it was um, adapted into a one-man play by Alfred Shaughnessy. Uh, Alfred Shaughnessy was writer and chief script editor on Upstairs Downstairs. Um, and you'll still a lot of writing for all creatures, great and small. So it gives you an idea of the sort of flavour of the piece. And all creatures, great and small, was absolutely full of humour as well as telling the story of the Yvettes too. So you know, they, it is. It, yeah, it's a it's a piece that um, it 
tells a lovely story. It tells a, basically the story of man's one man's devotion to the same garden all his life, mm-hmm. and also his devotion to the lady who owned the garden. Yeah, it tells a, a wonderful tale. It is. There's plenty of humour along the way, uh, a few gardening tips, and even a few cookery tips. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously, you've mentioned the fact that upstairs, downstairs, which is a forerunner of Downton Abbey, uh, we, you know, it gives gives a, a flavour for what we do expect here. It's billed as yeah. being Downton Abbey with gardening uh, tips, as you say. <laughs> uh, so yes. it's it's a bit a bit different. I mean, what have you had to personally do to prepare yourself to be Herbert and get get into character for this? Uh, well, I think I've been getting into character for a long time. Actually, <laughs> I actually I actually bought the script when I was in my early 20s and I absolutely loved it but I've had to wait until now until I'm old enough to get away with doing it so it's been on the shelf for quite a long time it's hard work it's a full-length play with just yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's nowhere to hide obviously the the key factor is you have to engage the audience right from the beginning Uh, if you fail to do that then you failed completely (laughs) but uh, people seem to love it they seem to love the tale uh, they go home with, I think, a little bit of joy in their heart and a little tear in their eye at the same time. Uh, and do you go um, home with a bit of uh, soil underneath your fingernails so you look like you've done the job? Me? I do. Yes, I do a bit of gardening uh, while I'm on stage, do a bit of uh, potting out and stuff. Your plants um, must be confused. They're, they're getting potted, unpotted and repotted every night of the week. Oh, yes. I get pulled around all over the place. And having to try and tour the country with live plants in the back of a van uh, <laughs> is not an easy task, I can tell you. That's, uh, I, can, I can imagine it isn't that simple. But, I mean, we're looking at a simpler age here. And, and how do you feel this compares to, to now? Is it a bit of a window on a world gone by? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, I, there's probably still elements that are relevant in country houses now. But um, I think his story is very much, you know, a story that's been... One of the, I think, radio reviews described it as reminiscent of going down the allotment with your granddad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it very much um, invokes, you know, past memories uh, from people in a number of different ways. There's a number of touching sides to his tale, which I think people um, can side with. And it's definitely a different era. You don't really find anyone these days working in the same place for the whole of their life. Yeah. It's a bygone tale. Well, tickets are on sale now. You can get them from staffordgatehousetheatre.co.uk and you can call the box office on 01785 619080. That's 01785 619080. It's going to be something of a treat, I, 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 as, as we can tell, and certainly one which is uh, worth getting along to. It's... But it's few Midlands uh, showings, as it were. Friday the 21st of June, it is at half past seven in the Met Studio at the Stafford Gatehouse. From Kicking the Head, it is Giles Shenton as Herbert Pinnegar. Giles, great speaking to you. Have a great time on stage. He's, don't break a leg and, and don't break any of the uh, the plants either. Okay, yeah, look after them That wouldn't us. be the first time either, unfortunately. <laughs> great speaking to you. Thanks again. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Time to take some more music now from Erica Papillon Posey. Let's take a listen to the theme, Better Angels. Melancholy, mellow 
Papillon Posey a little bit later on. Somebody who knew the final outcome of Game of Thrones long before it was on our TV screens was Toby Osmond. He was playing the new Prince of Dawn. He joins me now to tell me more about what's going on in his world. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, and uh, you must have been so tempting to uh, to let slip what was going to happen at the end. Well, I mean, I may have told my mother. Right. Um, She's trustworthy, and, uh... though. That's what counts. Well, exactly, exactly. I swore, I swore her to secrecy, and uh, she doesn't watch the show, so it was sort of fine. She wasn't tempted, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was quite, um, quite funny. You know? and of course, we we filmed it a, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, an entire year that I had to keep stum. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to be involved in it. It was very exciting. Absolutely, you're part of the family, and everything we've heard from any of the cast, it really does sound like it's a great environment. And those who've worked on it what, for a decade have had absolutely fantastic time working with it all. Well, that was certainly my experience, and it was it was a pleasure to um, be welcomed by all of the cast. Um, I, I don't think I've ever worked on such a large production where such a large proportion of those people have been absolutely down to earth lovely welcoming nice whilst being professional of course um it was a really nice nice atmosphere i think it it trickles down in fact it's uh, i think that's probably down to dan and dave the the founders of the show um because they were directing the episode i was on 
and they were just really lovely. They were like, <laughs> they were they were speaking with us. They were complimenting us on our work. It was like, oh, blimey, Dan and Dave were speaking to me. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you never know. There could be spin-offs. Anything could happen from here on in. And yeah. you know, it, it, people will know you from your retirement as Thomas Cromwell in uh, Henry VIII and his Sixth Wives. So yeah. Yeah, that must have been quite an interesting one for people seeing the crossover there. Yeah, well, it was, the, although they were both, I suppose, um, sort of period, periody sort of pieces, mm -hmm. they were quite opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, Cromwell was very much uh, sort of like underplayed, naturalistic sort of villainous type. And then Prince of Dawn is this sort of just lazy, debauched, like, I mean, I well, didn't, so, I so didn't really one... say much, but uh, <laughs> I hope my lounging got it across. <laughs> so, so which is more you, though, of those two parts? Oh, the latter, 100%. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can come yeah. and be typecasting that sort of role going forwards. But uh, it, it, yeah. all, all of it, though, I mean, whenever you're playing a part in the acting world, we often, and with a good actor and the case of yourself, we get completely taken in and everybody assumes that is you going forward. So uh, for those who've come to your work for the first time in Game of Thrones, when they meet you, they're expecting a bit of debauchery, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm pleased that, that more people saw Game of Thrones, The Prince of Dawn, rather than the Thomas Cromwell, although a lot of people did see Thomas Cromwell because they would have been sorely disappointed if they'd expected Thomas Cromwell when they met me. But uh, <laughs> Prince of Dawn is a lot more like me. I swan around Soho in faux fur coats and such, so uh, it's definitely a lot more uh, cast to type, that one. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but any job in actor, uh, as, a, as a freelancer, you are heading off from project to project to project. And, and now, mm. I mean, obviously you're going to be required for the Games of, Game of Thrones comic contact circuit. So that's going to be an interesting new part to your world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've actually been to a few Comic-Cons before. I did a few uh, Tom Payton films. and he's, uh, he's a very good director. He's working in the UK film industry at the moment. And uh, so we, we've been to the Comic-Con in London and Birmingham for his film. Our penultimate film together, because we've done another one since then, uh, had Shane Warden, who was the X Factor winner um, and was on Coronation Street. So um, I think people really just wanted my autograph as long as it was on the same photo as Shane's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to complete the set, whatever happens. But uh, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Do you do much theatre work as well, or are you mainly focusing on TV and the like? The, at the moment, I've just been doing screen, but I do love theatre, and I've got a, a strong background in theatre, so I'd love to do more theatre. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, it's just been a bit of a, a screen roller coaster, really. Um, I did an, another film since getting off um, Thrones about a, a week or two ago. Uh -huh. um, and, yeah, I've got some uh, some audio ADR pickup to do on a, another film that I did a few months ago. So, yeah, it's all been screen at the moment, but I do absolutely love theatre. Oh, and with the screen work that you've got coming up, again, they can change your appearance so significantly uh, just as you go through a show. And uh, and what's it like as you, as you see a character develop for you when you're on screen? Well, I... <laughs> there were a couple of funny stories, actually. So in... Um... In the Henry VIII uh, docudrama, um, they had three different actors to represent Henry VIII. 
um, but they only had me for Thomas Cromwell. <laughs> um, now, I wasn't present during the toddler stage for uh, Henry, but I was there for um, the sort of young adult Henry, who was played by um, Charlie Clements, who was uh, Bradley Banning on EastEnders. Mm-hmm. And then they had an, an older Henry as well. And I, I was standing next to him. I had an age today. They just changed my hat. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, they do change your appearance a lot. Uh, The film I did a couple of weeks ago, they were trying on some, um, some wigs, but they, they ended up, I won't, I won't give any spoilers, but it was uh, a period piece again, but they just got me to grow my sideburns for it. So I do change my, I do change my appearance for my roles quite a bit. Yeah. Cause we saw you with the beard in Game of Thrones. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, that's, (laughs) that's the first time I've ever had, um, what is it like just for men or something? The beard, (laughs) the hair dye. Um, Yeah. They, they blackened my beard for it to make me look a bit, I don't know, younger maybe. So yeah, I grew my beard without, I also had long hair, but it was all, my hair apart from the beard dye it was all my hair mm-hmm. um but i've now got much shorter hair because i did the uh, the film with tom payton called stairs i was playing a mercenary so and that was filmed after thrones so he was like you know mercenaries don't have these sort of flowing locks i'm afraid i was like i know i'll cut it off <laughs> <laughs> yeah so short hair at the moment, but uh, yeah, we'll see what's next. I mean, you don't own your own appearance necessarily. There might well be a wig based on this for the next Comic Con, I suppose. Oh, good point. I don't know. Um, I'm hoping they'll uh, they'll they'll be satisfied with me pointing to a picture, <laughs> a <laughs> screenshot or something, and saying, "Look, it's me. It's me." Just imagine, imagine like Maybe I'll wear a hat or something. I don't yeah, know. that could do it. So find an in in period uh, hat and, and and go for that one. Uh, just do the debauchery look in your eyes, and you'll be sorted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just sort of lounge back. Maybe have some. Uh, some uh, friends of uh, questionable moral values lounging around me. We'll see. We'll I'm, see. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people queuing up for that sort of role with your uh, <laughs> your status. So uh, what, what, what can we expect to see from you next? I suppose the socials are the best place to keep up with you. Yes, uh, I am on Insta, and it is Mr.T.Osmond. Um, I chose that because I wanted Mr. T in my name, like uh, the A-team. Um, uh, Twitter, what is it? I think it's at Toby Osmond, and then Facebook is at Toby Osmond Actor. Yeah, all over the socials. And, yeah, like you say, I'm at some of the conventions. So there's, uh, there's a Game of Thrones convention in Manchester that I'm appearing at. I think it's uh, Con of Thrones or... Or, or Game of Cons or something like that. It's got a witty pun-like name. Um, oh, and Oscon as well in Oswestry, if anyone's around North Wales. Um, yeah, and there's another one which I can't remember. But check it out. You'll be talking about it all on your social media feeds and you can find out yeah. what's going on. But as the Prince of Dawn, uh, you'll be loading it up for many, many years to come on that one. As we say, who knows <laughs> what could happen next. But uh, we look yeah. forward to seeing you and your other work as we head through. Toby Osman, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Have a fantastic day. Time for another tune from our featured artist this week, Erica Papillon Pose. This is Be Beautiful. Quick, 
rich mocha hue, melanin tint. Woman is born third citizen. Society shuns a sun-braced skin. Who's darling sweet survivor are you? Who saved you from turn of the screw? Out of my flesh, a culture fame. Show some shame when you still are wings. When do we get to be? When do we get to be? When do we?
beautiful from Erika Papiomposa here on The Milk Bar. With the 125th anniversary of the Grand Theatre edging ever closer and the latest season brochure available very soon, mm-hmm. Scott Burt here to tell me what's going on in the new season. Hello! Hello! So, an exciting time? Yes, really exciting because this is the first copy of the brochure, hot off the press. Mm-hmm. The only one in the building, Jason. Okay, so... You knew what was going into it because you helped compile it. So what what have you got on the way? Uh, Lots of things. Let's um, flick it open. Well, the first thing, actually, is something that's already on sale, and it's a a cast update. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've just announced that from the 3rd to the 7th of September, John Partridge will play MC in Cabaret. Now, he was last here in uh, La Cage La Cage Falls. And he was amazing in that and loved by the audiences. So this is a really major part to play. And at the time before that, he played Billy Flynn in Chicago. So the thing is about John, he's a showman, isn't he, Mm -hmm. I think? And... uh, he, he always comes back with a totally different role, you know, so like Billy Flynn was really smooth and suave and then, um, you know, Alban in La Cage Fall, you couldn't get further from it. And then MC, I would say, is a bit of a mixture of both. He's mm-hmm. sort of a bit um, smooth, but equally a bit, um, you know, outlandish. Outlandish. Yeah. There's a lot of colour to that role. Yeah, which is be that's, gonna, that's, that's really exciting. And that's in September. That's already on sale. But mm-hmm. um, new season, as we sort of flick... Um, further through, well, we've got a little bit, a little bit more casting for the Panto, Huntington, Aaron yep. James, who uh, has worked a lot with our Grand Theatre Ambassador Steve Bull, uh, and Aaron does a lot of, um, he does a lot of events hosting. But um, <laughs> as he does that, part of his, um, the main part of his act is, is a comedian and impressionist. Mm-hmm. So that's going to work uh, really well as, um, as the comic, the main comic for this year's Panto. So that's again another great one, alongside a fantastic comedy cast already. So it's yes. just going to add more humour into the. Pollard, Jeffrey Holland, so I expect Heidi High or Dr. Beeching, yeah. that sort of thing, alongside Ian Adams, our, our returning dame. And so, Ian's fantastic on yeah. his own. So I mean, you've got a just a brilliant lineup already yeah, coming together that's there. It, that's that's it. no okay. Uh, there's at least another one cast announcement. So uh, on keep us posted. Yeah, I mean, I don't know myself yet, but as soon as I do, we're going to be shouting it from the rooftops. I'm okay. Sure. Which brings us into our new season, really, with Boeing Boeing, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first week-long show after Panto's finished. So um, yeah, it's nice to be going into a into a farce after Panto. It sort of keeps the mood. Um, nice and light, light yeah. and airy mm-hmm. into the new year and that, that's from the 20th to the 25th starring Tom Lister yeah. who uh, was in 42nd Street most recently in the West End uh, which you can watch online now but um, Susie uh, Susie Blake uh, she was from Coronation Street she's done Wicked in the West End and then she was here in um, she was here in that play with Joe Pasquale last year. She, she was in Some Mothers Do Have Them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She was in Some Mothers Do Have Them last year. year. Yeah. Do go from uh, Susie Blake, yeah, and then of course Susie Blake, who was here in Some Mothers Do Happen with Joe Pasquale. And last that was year. amazing as well. You, really you weren't sure what, what to expect for that yeah, one, and no. we were getting pleasantly surprised because uh-huh. it was blooming awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, and again that was farcical. So she was great in that. So uh, mm. that's a, that's a nice, perfect little cast really for that. Uh, then we've got some one night shows. Anton Dubeck from Strictly. This is mm-hmm. the first time he's been here. We we usually have quite a few of the Strictly professionals. But, but they Anton... do love playing this stage, don't they? Yeah, Even though yeah. there's a rake, they still love dancing they on still it. <laughs> so uh, so it's nice to have Anton and Erin uh, for the first time. And, and Sandy Toxvig, our national Trevor 
um, yeah. Sandy's wonderful though, isn't yeah. she? No, she's great. <laughs> and uh, and it'd be nice to host her for the first time, I believe. Yeah, okay, so, now yeah, you just sort me tickets out for that one. Yes. Uh, so then we've got the Sensational 60s are back and the mm-hmm. uh, the Russian State Ballet. There's some staples that you just expect yeah. to be to But be with new the, shows, the that's, the, that's the thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and the Sensational 60s and the Russian Ballet always do incredibly, incredibly well. But pretty much sell outs every year. Yeah, so. and the different lineups for the uh, the 60s show and uh, yeah, new ballet exactly. each time. Yeah, exactly. Mike Pender and the Trems and the Fortunes are, are heading up the, the bill this time. So... Uh, yeah, that's and, and this is the big page. Now we haven't talked cool. about this yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is. Um, it's nice to be going back to producing again. We've had a year off because we've had quite a busy year. So mm-hmm. we started with Brast Off, which we produced here in Wolverhampton. Then Ladies' Day, but now for for 2020, we are doing Alan Bennett's History Boys. Yeah, and, and each time we do one of these, it's like it hasn't been done before. It's, it's mm-hmm. something completely different. The fantastic community cast with Brast Off, they were amazing. Yeah. Actually, getting Tony Christie in Ladies' Day. I mean, you, if there's anywhere it could happen, it had to be here and that, yeah. that, was, that was brilliant so what is going to be so special about uh, Alan Bennett's History Boys well I mean it's, it's, it's going to be one of the first major productions of this since it premiered at the National Theatre in 2004 I mean it's been out there but this is you know it's not often it's quite, it's quite rare that you get to see it on such a bigger stage as ours so mm-hmm. we're really excited about that Alan Bennett has given his blessing so uh, again it's nice to have to have him on board mm-hmm. uh, but it's going to be uh, directed by Jack Ryder yeah, another well known name yeah who you will know from uh, EastEnders mm-hmm. um, but then he's in Hobby City at the moment um, but he also directed uh, Gary Barlow and Tim First the band the musical the take that musical I mean, that, that was again, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised again yeah. Yeah. So sometimes you think hang on what's this Going to be take that's music okay it was all great and um, but that just turned into a, a fantastic night and i think that a lot of that came through the way in which the show was interpreted so yeah, that's what yeah, it was surprisingly this. emotional yeah. and you know you could connect to it i mean i didn't think that i would be able to connect to a musical about middle-aged women mm-hmm. as much as i did you know yeah, i just, the, it just the, opened it up to the music to, for you was when you were very very yeah. very young if, if around at all so you yeah. know that that it, it but to bring everybody in the way it did that was great yeah. and with what he's going to do with this, so we, yeah, we just we can only say, wait whilst, and see. Whilst this isn't a musical, I, I'm sure he's going to take what he has done to the band and, and to Calendar Girls. He worked on the girls in the West End, that musical, mm-hmm. uh, and everything else that he's done. I'm sure he's going to he's going to bring his new vision to the stage uh, and the artwork as well. We're really we're really pleased with our new poster. We've um, we've gone to uh, to Winters in London, which mm-hmm. are like a huge. Uh, post. If you've seen a West End post and you know a West End post, it's probably been designed by De Winter. So uh-huh. we're talking Cats, the original Cats, those those eyes. That's them. Miss Saigon, Phantom, all all the big musicals they're responsible for. So they're uh, looking good. We're, uh, we're really pleased. So yeah, I can see History Boys. That's from um, that's from the seventh to twenty second of February. So I mean, this is going to fly by as well. I mean, there's going to be a massive press uh, yeah. launch on that. I'm looking forward to coming along and spending yes. some time with everyone, including the cast. I and mean, you don't know who the cast is going to be. Yeah? Not a clue. We've not started auditioning yet, but that will be soon mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the summer I think we're yeah. going to start looking so uh, yeah by the autumn we should hopefully have some people to talk to and uh, brilliant yeah. so look, look out for that one yeah then um, oh yes two nice big musicals that are returning mm-hmm. um, Joseph we don't know who our Joseph is yet but um but again, professional again, touring production. Professional touring production from Bill Kenwright Limited, as is the sound of music. So they're both returning, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they always do really well. But because uh, they are amazing shows, and yeah. they are sing along in your head, not sing along out loud. But you're there. Yeah. You're, as soon as you walk out of the theatre, you know which songs are going to be sung all uh, the way down the exactly. uh, Litchfield Road. Yeah, Litchfield exactly. Street. Litchfield Street. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, get your habit on and uh, yeah. skip down the street. 
singing songs about pharaohs. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and that, that's from the 25th to the 29th of February for Joseph and the 3rd to the 7th of March for uh, Sound of Music. So that's a nice, like, two weeks of uh, classic Ooh, musical. Press right? not on the opening night? Uh, yes, it that's, will be. So I expect birthday cake for that one. We'll see you there. Yep, um, okay. And then oh, another musical pretty much straight after the 17th to 21st of March. Uh, now, you've been to see this in the West End to check yes, this one out, haven't I you, have already? Yes, I've been to see it, yeah. And it was incredible. See, uh, <laughs> When you said you were going and yeah. um, saw all the stuff you, and you enthusing about it online, uh-huh. I thought Gloria Estefan. We're not playing enough Gloria Estefan these days. We're not playing enough. I mean, Oyemi <laughs> Kanto, all of the, the brilliant yeah. songs in there, yeah. and the, the the work that her and her partner put into a, a whole sound, a, the whole Latin pop sound. Yeah. It was them, it really, was wasn't created it? Created there, and I mean, I, I love Gloria Estefan. There's so many songs that come out of the musical that you think, "Oh my gosh, Conga on your feet, mm-hmm. one, two, three, uh, all of those." Um, I'm seeing these in my head now. Yeah, That's yeah. A... it's great. It's it's sort of a, a foot. I, I was going to say it's a tap along. It's not. You just you do get on your feet by the end mm-hmm. of it and, and dance along. But it's it's their incredible story about how they really struggled to mm-hmm. um, to get that sort of. Latin pop sound through, you know, it was too Latin for the and for the and too Cuban for the for the English speaking audience, but then it was too English for for their. But it's too know, good not to audience. dance to. Yeah, and they really struggled to get it to get it out there, but thank God they did because this musical is great. And um, then Jason Mumford curtains. Uh, yeah, well, I mean. What do we expect here? <laughs> I know. That, well, this is the, the last musical by Kander and Ebb. So Chicago, Cabaret, if you love those musicals, which you'll have seen here recently. Um, this is like the third one, that's sort of the lesser known one, mm-hmm. um, which uh, which did, it opened on Broadway. It's, it's It's been relatively successful, but it just sort of didn't quite have the, the prominence that, mm-hmm. that Chicago and Cabaret did, but now it's it's come to the UK stage for the first time in a very long time with Jason Manford uh, in the lead, but also Aurea Duba and Carly Stenson, which we've just announced as casting. So. so that's, again, something to look forward to. Yeah, that's the 31st of March, the 4th of April, that one. So, so that, that's going to be another Christmas present one, isn't it? Because yeah. it's where Jason Manford, isn't it? There's going to be exactly. a good cross-section across the family who are going to be yeah, interested in that. Yeah, this is quite a farcical musical too. So Jason would sort of lend his comedy quite naturally to... Uh, to the, and he's a great showman as well. Mm-hmm. Like I've, have I seen him in a musical? Yes, I have. I saw him in... Um, I have to go back. Uh, what did I see him in? Producers. Yes, I saw him in The Producers, uh-huh. uh, which again is sort of a similar musical. You know, it's got that great musical number. Probably the same raincoat. Yeah, yeah, probably. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's also got those sort of high energy um, comedy numbers. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's that's going to be something to look forward to. And he was a great host of the Olivier Awards as mm-hmm. well this year. So um, he's sort of got that theatricality about him. He's there. As well as being a stand-up comedian. So, uh, yeah. We'd we, we still know any of the back of the brochures. Still coming know in, any. We've got spoiled some... for choice. Yep. There is opera here. Um, the, the Russian state opera, Carmen and Madame Butterfly. So if you like your opera, those are two sort of pretty strong titles that you're going to know. Some Motown thrown in there. Malcolm Pitt is back with Lionel Richie tribute. Uh, that's on the 7th of April. Simon and Garfunkel, Motown, they're all back. But yeah. they all, again, they do really well. So, and the people um, want to see these songs perform live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your Pe- favourite? Peppa Pig yep. is back. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the best day ever for Peppa Pig this time, apparently. Okay. So that's on the 18th and 19th uh, uh, of April. And then the Kite Runner. Uh, so again, that that played in the West End mm-hmm. uh, about two years ago, I think that was, and that you know sort of sold out rave reviews. So we're we're really excited to to have that here. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's on the curriculum. So schools, yeah, uh, we'll see many of you come <laughs> along in your, in your hundreds but again, of thousands. It's not. Ni- it's nice to see the youngsters coming along to theatre and starting yeah. to book for it and a taste for what's going on. Yeah, exactly. My friend's a teacher, and as soon as she saw this straight away, she was like, "I need to go and see it <laughs> because it, it just adds that extra." You know, it just adds that extra... Thing brings to it to life. To, it's something yeah, you can't do in the classroom. Yeah, it's great. We're, we're doing as much as we can to encourage young people in the next generation of theatre. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that'd be great. But also, it's not a school's production. So, like, you know, you can come along and see it regularly. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great, uh, great piece on stage. Holes, again, very similarly, mm-hmm. I did this at school. I can't remember if I did I it. I don't know this one. I can't remember if I did it in primary school or if it was just into into, into senior school. But I love this book. It's about um, It's about a group of boys in, like, a detention camp. Um, and they have to dig a hole five five foot wide by five foot wide every day. They have to dig one hole, and they say it's to build their, uh, you know, it's to build, to build stamina. Stamina, and, yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, actually, it's not. Uh-huh. There's uh, there's something going on. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's that, mm-hmm. and that's with the children's uh, theatre partnership. Uh, and look out for that because you know we've had this project on with the National Theatre for three years. Well, yep. um, now we're going to be doing a. a, a sort of three-year partnership with the children's theatre partnership so okay. um, lots more um, stuff from them to come over the next couple of years the mousetrap that is bad again that's another one that you have still to have nobody knows what happened I still can never remember who did it the secret is that yeah. well kept I can yeah. never remember as soon as it starts I go oh yeah but um, it starts to piece again well, I couldn't spoil it for you even if no, I wanted to exactly it's it goes. I don't know what happens if you do spoil it you know you're not allowed to spoil it but it, you, you know do, the, you know the kids game mousetrap yeah, yeah that. that's it that comes down you're, you're the diver yeah. yeah and then you have to go and dig a hole five foot wide possibly foot wide. that could do it yeah uh, Luther Vandross celebration uh, which is uh, one of the greatest tributes to Luther Vandross but they're not a tribute the real thing is Francis Rossi well, that's going to uh, be amazing quo. so that is uh, that's the 7th of June mm-hmm. so um, we're well into next year we're here. well into next year I think this is the last page yes it is <laughs> this is the one that I do our social media accounts and what, when does when this go on sale Scott I <laughs> when does this go on sale Scott asked for the last I don't know how long is is, is Darren Brown showman we, we're really excited to have Darren Brown when's it go on sale Scott and these tickets <laughs> will fly out of the box office when they go on sale yeah. uh, to Friends of the Grand exclusively um, on Saturday the 22nd of June mm-hmm. uh, which is at 10am online that's an exclusive online window between 10 and 12 and then they go on sale from the box office uh, in person and on the phones at 12 uh, so um, they will go on sale to the public eventually but if you do want to get and this is all of the shows yeah. in the brochure if you do want to get the best seats um, do become a friend of the Grand and there's right so now. much stuff that you get for that because there's not only the discounts that you get here at the Grand Theatre they've been able to buy tickets nice and early but also discounts at venues across the city as well so if yeah. you fancy comes a week before a show you could save yourself some money just by being a friend of the Grand yeah so Richard Bourne our new chairman I say new he's been in position now years, for, isn't a, it? for about a year yeah, now. Um, and something that Richard's been working on is sort of making the Friends of the Grand membership more than what it already is mm-hmm. um, so not only do you get discounts on most productions and priority booking you're now sort of expanding our reach so just becoming a friend of the grand doesn't mean that you can just enjoy the theatre you can enjoy um, goods and services throughout the throughout the city so uh, yeah. yeah there's restaurants in there there's even a car garage in there so you can get to the theatre yeah. Um, yeah, make sure you get your car service at a lower so, price because you're a friend of the grand yeah exactly so uh, uh, it's not just works. theatre
So that's all on the way. Grandtheatre.co.uk to look at booking all your tickets online. You can also find the links to become a friend of the Grand on there as well. I know one nine zero two four two nine two one two. As soon as the box office is open for you, whether you're a friend of the Grand or whether you are a member of the general public who just love the Grand but haven't signed up for that friendship yes, yet. The public booking's open on the twenty sixth, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's, it's it's a couple of days there. Yeah, to, uh, but to all on the way and all happening. All on the way and all happening. Well, Scott, as ever, brilliant to talk to you. Thanks for having a chat and thank you for talking us through the new season and the fantastic 125th anniversary which is on the way yes and it is there'll be plenty to see and do around that there's been more to talk about there isn't there yeah exactly the uh, the 125th anniversary will be smack bang in the middle of our pantomime run so uh, yeah lots to celebrate we'll expect some fun there but as ever thank you thank you time for one final tune now from Annika Papillon Pose this is I Travel I travel I revel rebel quite well and when time calls for conjure hell as well Trouble, I trouble ain't humble for you. For my sound round temple moves right into you. Now, what's in the name? I hear everything. I'm amused when my muse gives me music to sing. No grace ain't a mandate when one knows the stakes. This chiaro, this scudo.
Don't forget to check out Erica's work online. Get your hands on the album and, of course, all that forthcoming work we were talking about later on. That'll be well worth a little look as she continues her fantastic musical career. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 522 next week. I'll see you then. So, right for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.